0: Welcome to Anna Musings. Tonight, our friends and hosts, Kayla and David, use their vivid imagination to create magical imagery for all to enjoy. Nothing is more wonderful than the imagination, for in a moment, you can experience a beautiful fantasy or an exciting adventure. But beware, nothing is more powerful than the imagination, for it can also expand your greatest fears into an overwhelming nightmare.
1: Oh god, it's the wolf! Jump scare! Ah! Yeah. Wow, uh, it feels like it's been a while since we've been here. I don't yeah. know why that is, we were only just here in December. Hey everyone! Happy 2018! It's your old friend David. <laughs> and
0: I'm Kayla. I can't do.
1: I I would <laughs> just. I wasn't bad. It was better than my Goofy just now. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, man, I don't know why it feels like it was a million years ago that th- we did Three Caballeros. I, th- but... I think
0: it's because we did it really early in December.
1: I think we did, didn't we?
0: Well, I mean, we, we
1: released it on. We actually released the episode on Christmas Eve.
0: Yeah, but I think we recorded it much earlier.
1: That's true, we did. Um, but it's good to be doing this again. Uh, we are actually gonna be uh, going. It's just the two of us again tonight, and we're gonna be going into a. Um,
0: well, I mean, we've, we're already in the package films.
1: This is this. We're at ha- we're, the by the time we finish this film, we'll be halfway done with the package films. Yes. There's uh, there were six package films produced by Disney in the 40s and. This one is the third, so we only got three more to go. Mm-hmm. So, but, but hey, David, Kayla, you might be asking, random audience who maybe just joined us for this episode and not random listeners, audience, uh, I'm, I'm still stuck on the whole idea of singing at the Met. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey,
0: that really did stand out. Okay, so we just watched Make Mine Music.
1: And uh have, had you seen this one before?
0: I, I... <laughs> I'm trying to word this right. Not the film itself, Uh but I saw a couple of the segments before.
1: I think they used to air a couple of the segments from here on Disney Channel Yeah, every so often. Because I distinctly remember seeing both Casey at the Bat and uh, Peter and the Wolf at different points.
0: Same. I think I want to say I've seen um, The Whale Who Sang at the Met, but even that doesn't sound too correct. I don't know.
1: I, yeah, it's hard to say. I think, I think there was a time when Disney would co-opt some of the pieces then from the package films and just use them as shorts.
0: Well, um. I
1: mean, I've, I know I've seen, um, I know I'd seen, like, I know we're going to do Fun and Fancy Free coming up here. So,
0: uh, yeah. But
1: I'd seen, like, the, the, the Mickey and the Beanstalk short. Yeah. Before I saw the whole film.
0: Same here. But I actually, um, I've seen all the films. Fun and Fancy Free.
1: I have too. I've
0: actually, I actually used to own Fun and Fancy Free.
1: I saw um, Mickey and the Beanstalk though before I ever saw Fun and Fancy Free. Yes, yeah, I can remember that. But
0: so th- that'll come later. Um, fun and
1: Fancy Free mm-hmm. is something else entirely. It has m- distinctly more Jiminy Cricket than this movie.
0: Yeah, um, that'll actually be the next. Film, but we're
1: already talking about this one. It's, it's not like we don't want to talk about
0: no, 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 no. Make no. my music, but um, it's just kind of interesting because like the next three films. Well, mm, okay, so the next three main films are all like animated shorts. Um, like we're doing Make My Music, and then next will be Fun and Fancy Free, and the next will be Melody Time. And those are all, like, a bunch of animated shorts. And then after that will be the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, but that's just two.
1: That's, but, but they're longer, and that's going to get us kind of back to where we're going mm-hmm. uh, what, by the time we hit... Is it Cinderella? That'll be the, Cinderella. the first proper film?
0: Yeah, that'll be the first proper film.
1: Okay. Um but yeah um so let's talk about Make My Music since we are still uh we're still in 1946 yes it's, we're in 1946 it's at August this
0: point? 1946 was when it was released uh to uh national or uh, full uh, like worldwide uh,
1: international if you will Well
0: cuz it was shown in New York in April
1: Oh okay
0: But um there there's a reason why they kept going with the shorts because, um, also influenced by World War II. So, what happens? What happened during World War II?
1: Well, uh, as was already established in previous films, uh, Walt uh, was commissioned to do propaganda, or not propaganda, but wartime cartoons. Some of them were propaganda, but they were wartime cartoons for them. And then, of course, animators from the studio were being drafted. Yes. So, and- they were under understaffed and... hmm and, and, you know, and this is also coming off of... Before that, we had the animation strike. So things were... This is why we have this, this package film period where...
0: And then not only that, they lost a lot of manpower and resources mm-hmm. as a result. So they had a lot of unfinished ideas that were too long to, like, put in their shorts for television purposes, but they were too short to be feature films. Okay. So then they created... These uh, package films.
1: So we're in we're in forty six though. So that, that when they when they're doing the shorts, they would have just been the animated shorts that we would show in like movie houses, right? Because we didn't have the television yet.
0: No, no, we didn't.
1: Right. So um,
0: wait, did we?
1: No. Uh, well, I don't think so. The television didn't come along until the fifties.
0: Um. <laughs> <now> <laughs> the I, power
1: of the internet is on our side, friends.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I, now I'm kind of curious when. Want to?
1: We... Well, you will confirm that. In just a moment. Kayla's looking at her phone.
0: Sorry, I'm like now looking up the history.
1: The history of the television.
0: Well, like when did it become like an actual thing? Uh, No, 1928 was actually when they started, uh, television started coming about and then it was.
1: When did it become mainstream?
0: That's what I'm looking up. Um, 1930s.
1: Really? So
0: yeah, television, yeah, television's going on right now.
1: Interesting. I'm gonna. I, 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 i For some reason, I'm really convinced that it didn't really hit hit the same sort of precedence it hit until the 50s. But um, we are in 46, so it's reasonable we can be closer. Uh, we'll do the research well, on that. Well,
0: because like CBS actually was doing trying to test color television in 1940. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, television was in swing. At okay. This time.
1: Okay. So we're finally through World War Two.
0: Yeah, we're done with World War II, but they're, i mean, this, like anything, animation takes a long period of time. Right.
1: Is this—is this interesting? Because we're finally in that point in history where the where that's 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 wrapped up. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much uh, at, at this point, uh, victory through air power has influenced quite a few people, <laughs> despite it being an incredibly boring film uh, <laughs> to us. Um, but um, so this this film is interesting because I think it. It, while watching it it kind of made me harken back a little to fantasia
0: there's reasons behind it actually one of them for sh- the segments for sure will harken back even more so and i'll explain that once we get to it uh-huh. but uh i would say let's start with um the segment that we actually had to watch this one separate
1: yeah so <laughs> we found it we we were streaming it but apparently the U.S. home release of uh, *Make My Music* does not include the initial uh, sketch, which is the um, the Martins, Martins and, and the Koys. Coy.
0: The reason why is because of the comic gunplay
1: and the fact that they all die.
0: Yeah, no, but even, <laughs> no, Def wasn't like. I
1: just, I'm just messing. It like, really
0: is all about the gunplay. Yeah, like, the, and I mean, they're all shooting each other and
1: We're shooting at each other a lot. Yeah. It's crazy. And you know it's it's playing up the whole Hatfield and McCoy feud, but yeah. So we we start to watch this, and then we realize it goes straight to Blue Bayou, and I go, I'm positive there's a short before this, <laughs> so we had to look it up. Yeah. And yeah, so we found. Thank thank goodness YouTube exists, mm-hmm. uh, at least for that extent. And uh, we watched that one there, and then resumed the movie as it was. So yeah, it, it, apparently in the UK that hasn't been edited out, but Disney, can you like not. Be whitewashed <laughs> in your history, yo. Like we need to see these things. Uh, we're we're historians. <laughs> we're animation historians. This is an animation history podcast. So, uh,
0: well, one of the things too is uh, it does uh poke fun at like Appalachians and hillbillies. So,
1: well, I mean. It's it's not like we haven't had awkward stereotypes before in this show. That's
0: true. <coughs>
1: Baby Weems. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hell, we got through Dumbo. <laughs>
1: That's true. We did get through Dumbo.
0: Um
1: so this huh. is a this one is done. Yeah. So I mean so but yeah, Fantasia. So it's not classical, but we do have each segment is based on a specific kind of Musical theme, and it's all being based around music.
0: Yeah, so that hence the make my music.
1: But it's but it's less about being classical, more just about let's do an eclectic bunch of stuff that'll work with these stories we want to tell.
0: Although what's really cool is they brought a bunch of different um, musicians for this.
1: They did. Uh, this one was the this one was performed by the Kingsmen. Correct. Which is very
0: cool. And uh, it it's all sang by them, and they narrate as they sing. Um, again, based on the Hatfields and McCoys, uh, it's, be, uh, the Martins and Coys, like, are enemies, uh, that live on different parts. Like, there's two there, hills.
1: There's only two hills divided by a small creek, and they live on, the like, the precipice of each hill in a cabin. And anytime, anything, they're, they're super trigger-happy. The whole point they then just is, like, is in the song is they talk about how this is back in the day when the gun was law.
0: Yeah. And then, so they, they are so trigger-happy that, All of the Martinson Kois die. Yeah, they they just
1: kill each other off.
0: And you actually see, like, their ghosts rise (laughs) from the
1: (laughs) That was pretty funny. And
0: then they're all on their, uh, like look like angels with the halos and the wings on their clouds looking. They're in nightshirts
1: too. Like all the I think it's all the uh, all the Martins have pink shirts and all the Kois have blue shirts. Yeah. But they're all in like nightshirts and they're and they're all standing on clouds watching everything transpire. They actually talk about how the feud started and it was the Kois who started it. So really it's their fault. Yep. Yeah. Because because uh, drunk grandpa decided he wanted to steal eggs from the Martin hen house. And they weren't going to They weren't gonna have that. And then just after that, they were just bang, 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 bang. And then they all died, except for two of them, who are the only two members of the family that don't look like weird, crazy Appalachian bearded men.
0: Yes. And their names are Grace and Henry. And they see each other and they fall in love. And
1: There's this great bit. It's you know I don't know if they could do this today where they're stalking each other through the woods with yeah. their rifles and while um, Henry's drawing a bead on Grace, she's standing on a hilltop with the sun behind her and you get a clear silhouette of her profile because the sun is like making is like coming through so you could see her like the shape of her legs through her dress and everything <laughs> and I'm like ooh ooh Disney
0: <laughs> oh no there's more actually uh, this movie caused some controversy not just for this.
1: Not just because of the guns?
0: Not just... No, 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 no. Not just the segment. Like, there's other segments that caused controversy.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. We'll, okay. But, well, I mean, we'll get to those, right?
0: Although, funny enough, the story of Grayson Henry was also built... built uh, the story of Grayson Henry was also based on something of the Hatfields and McCoys. Uh, there was actually an affair between Johnson Hatfield and Rosanna McCoy.
1: Oh, so a total total Romeo and Juliet situation here. Yeah. Because I just assumed that was what it was kind of about. I didn't realize there was actually a historical context for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not so based on it. Like, it wasn't exact, but...
1: I realize, but no one was biting their thumbs at anybody in this one. No,
0: (laughs) no. Um, I think what's great about this segment is the animation of the body movements, especially during the dancing scene after their wedding. Yeah, they
1: get married. It's great.
0: And just the way that the bodies are animated, how they move—it's just fantastic. It's interesting because
1: it's like that nice balance between like being over the top, cartoony. Like it feels again, it's a short, so it feels like they can be a little more fluid with it. Mm-hmm. But um, this—it's still animated very well, especially when they're they're doing a uh, essentially a square dance.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, it's an Appalachian wedding, so yeah, it's a hoedown. But the joke behind it is, like, they still, even though they're married, they argue all the time. So the fighting between the Martins and Khois.
1: And then on the clouds, when they got married, the the Martins and Khois were, they said they're just cussing and getting angry and making it rain and making lightning happen because they're like, why are you two getting along? And now they don't do it anymore. They're pleased because as as a married couple, they fight all the time. And it's it's knockdown, drag out fighting. Like, you see Henry get thrown out of the house. He goes to run back in and he runs into Grace's fist. And then he tries <laughs> to run back in again. And she's just throwing stuff out of the house at him. And it's, it's all played. Ha, domestic violence. It's played for laughs.
0: Hey. hey! At least
1: it's equal opportunity domestic violence.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a this was
1: uh, this was a fun this was a fun way to open it.
0: Yeah, I would say so.
1: And I think that's cool because like every one of these is um, pretty. Some of these are pretty tonally different than the other ones. Well, the, so you get a pretty good variety.
0: Yeah, the next one is Blue Bayou.
1: Now I had a question about this one. Yes. Is this the inspiration for the Blue Bayou at Disneyland?
0: I tried to look that up. I couldn't find anything for it.
1: (laughs) Because the atmosphere of the piece, like the way that the art looks, very much reminds me of some of the concept art you would see for the Blue Bayou, uh, which, um, you know, Claude Coates was involved in the backgrounds of this one. And of course, Claude Coates was involved in the set dressing for Pirates of the Caribbean. But a lot of it was based on sort of the concept sketches and um, different paintings and whatnot. By the way, shout out to T. Hee, who is credited in this one again, <laughs> good old T. Well,
0: Blue Bayou, actually the animation for this was made m- much earlier. Was it? This animation was actually gonna be used for Fantasia.
1: Oh, this is that lost Fantasia one. Yep,
0: this was gonna oh. be the one for the Claire de Lune sequence.
1: Oh, you, oh my gosh, Could is it, can you take, I, I imagine you could take this short then. And just put Claire Deloon under it. And I, well, I want to see how well it would match up. I, I,
0: I imagine someone on YouTube has already done that. I'm
1: going to look this up when we're done. Who performs uh, the song in this one? Uh,
0: the song in here, um, called Blue Bayou, is actually performed by the Ken Darby Singers.
1: Oh.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Cool. Thank you. No problem. Mm hmm. Um, It's really nice, because there's a lot of good um, multi... It's always the ones with the really detailed multi-pan camera work that really get to me. Um, You get these great pans of the bayou, lots of trees with Spanish moss hanging from them, and you got these egrets. Big, snowy, white egrets. And the song is kind of something about, like, uh, it was a song of longing. Yeah. A song of yearning. So, I mean, there's not much to say about this one. It's just really nice. There's a lot of shots of water and the moon and the contrast. There's a really good one at the beginning where cl- you see clouds, like, obscure the moon, but they're not coming from right, right to left. They're kind of forming in from the background to the foreground. Like, they seem like you're kind of got a, a panned up shot of the moon. Like, you're looking at it overhead and watching the clouds come over. And it was really... Um,
0: I-, I think we both were neat. saying how gorgeous this one was.
1: This is probably the most gorgeous one, in yeah. my opinion. I'm a sucker for ones like this, though. And you could you could tell because of the quality of the animation that it was a lost Fantasia short. Yeah, because even
0: I was like, the quality is really good. I mean, compared to the other ones.
1: Although the quality is fine on the other ones, but no, this one takes the cake. You can mm-hmm. tell that they they st- took something they started and they were finally able to finish it. Although it would be awkward to hear uh, Claire de Lune because every time I hear Claire de Lune, I think of Carboys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna picture a car Her. slowly flying through space while yeah. uh, <laughs> like, Griffin McElroy talks, but
0: and he's laughing so hard, and he's like, "Oh," <laughs> as he's like, "This is so amazing." Oh, dude. <laughs> um.
1: Um, but yeah, I like this one a lot. Blue mm-hmm. Bayou. Uh,
0: the next one is All the Cats Join In, and the music for this Ooh. is Benny Goodman and the Ooh, orchestra. it's Benny Goodman! Oh! Ooh, yeah. it's so good! Yeah, Ooh. So both David and I really like Benny Goodman's music. So I'm a, we I'm a huge
1: jazz nerd, so yeah. <laughs> my first college course was a history of jazz course, so.
0: And I grew up with jazz, so that's why I'm like,
1: ee. I also grew up with jazz, but it was, it was just like, when I was like, Chest in college for the first time uh, before I was a proper student. They were like, hey, do you want to just take some classes to get a feel for it? And I said, yeah. My mom was really encouraging that. And I took a jazz history course, and it was awesome.
0: That sounds awesome. It was a
1: good good class. Shout out to uh, Kate Reed, my professor from that course. She was great. Made me feel welcome. Uh, But that aside, so we have all the cats join in, which Uh is the tale, a story about a jukebox, and a cat.
0: Well, not really... So the cat in this is actually it's the term for hep cats, mm-hmm, and uh, it actually is supposed to be a depiction of teen culture. Yeah, and um funny enough, this one actually had a lot of uh backlash, really, mm-hmm.
1: You're talking about controversy.
0: Yeah, this because uh, so, you know, that scene where she gets into the shower and all that. Yeah, they didn't like that. Like the censors really didn't like that. You don't Uh, see anything. No, you don't. But like um, apparently the uh, production code administration thought it violated the Hays Code and wanted the scene cut. Oh, wow. But uh, the Disney studio uh, kept it.
1: It was still retained. I'm glad they did. Um, so it's interesting because like the whole thing is done with like this pencil that's drawing everything out while um, Goodman and the orchestra play Mm -hmm. and it's timed really nicely so you gotta you got our kept cat calling this you know his his jive gal on the phone Mm -hmm. and you dig um so (laughs) come on
0: over we're going out dancing we're gonna
1: go we're gonna go to the malt shop Mm -hmm. and get a Sunday and dance to the and dance to the swing and um There's some good gags in there. Like, the shower gag was there, but then there's also the little, there's the little, I assume little sister, little girl. Yeah. Who's trying to emulate her older sister and is kind of the comic relief of the scene. Gentle comic relief, but even so, like, like, stumbling into the shower after washing your face and there's a splash and, um, like, throwing on clothes that are too big for her. And she's got, like, big, almost, like, clog-like shoes at one point, walking Mm -hmm. along. Slides down a banister that the, um, pencil drew. This is a fun. This one is just pure fun to me, and yeah. I really enjoyed it.
0: it. The music was really good. I, I mean, I, I love the music in this as well as so you know. I think uh, the animation is quite different from anything we've seen of Disney, mm-hmm. and I like that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's. I mean, with these segments, when, when you watch them, you're like, these actually feel really different from each one. I mean, with Fantasia, it is gorgeous and. But you can tell the style is similar. You can tell a lot of the same animators worked on this. Where this one, it feels like they brought in different, completely different animators for each one. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating.
1: uh, Each one, there's like several different directors listed in the credits. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a feeling that a lot of, they all got to take a crack at a different short. Or maybe a a couple got to do two different shorts. You know, it's. Hard to say exactly who did what part, um, and we're just we're just talking about our immediate thoughts of it, uh, not deep diving into who did what at this point. But um, uh, I mean, we in the opening credits we saw a lot of familiar names, so it's good. It's safe to say that the the gang's all in on this one. Mary Blair, shout out to Mary Blair. Woo! Um. <laughs> Um, so this one was pretty short but it's just it's more of a just an excuse to have people it doesn't really tell a story so much as it is just uh, again well, a depiction of sort of this this youth culture they drive out there in like a like a hot rod and, exactly and they there's a great bit where they're, they're all the kids are just running and piling into this hot rod and they're driving along down this like you know very fun uh street like or, like again the backgrounds are super simple they're just usually like flat colors with like pencil lines having drawn in quick quick buildings
0: uh, apparently uh, uh some animation historians believe that it, basically it's a the short itself is a look at the popular culture at the time mm. like um the fact that they're using like uh, I mean, the reason for the, the risque scenes is because, I mean, sexy posters and um, uh, uh, images like uh, that were done by, like, Tex Avery and such were very popular at this time. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. So
0: uh, I guess Disney wanted to say, show, like, here's what's going on in youth culture. Here's what's popular. Here's we know what, what
1: the means. kids like. We know I- what the kids do. You dig. There was a bit in there that I thought was pretty funny, where um, the this girl gets drawn in dancing with a guy, mm-hmm. and she looks at the pencil and looks at herself and goes like ah ah, and a pencil comes in, erases a bit of her of her being behind and
0: draws her <laughs> a
1: and I'm like ah, I mean Sir Mix a Lot would have something to say about that. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's it was good. Um, the, the next I, I like this short, and I like the music in particular.
0: Yeah, same. The, the next one's a ballad in blue uh where Andy Russell sings without you um basically it's a set of impressionistic images um,
1: rain and stuff dripping down windows and
0: I, I, I was telling you this I'm like it's pretty it's I <laughs> it, it's not memorable to me though
1: it was all right it's I all think right. it was uh you know it's it's not it it not a lot happens in it and it's not like stuff needs to happen I mean It's weird to compare it to, say, the more abstract one at the beginning of Fantasia. Because, like, that one, it keeps your interest. Oh, yeah. This one, it's fine, and it wasn't like I lost interest and I was really enjoying what was displayed before me, but it didn't engage me the same way even the abstract one from Fantasia did, Mm -hmm. the Toccata and Fugue. Uh, This one, uh, again... You could take any of these stills or any of just these segments and just watch them go and be like, "Wow, that's really impressive what they're doing with the the watercolors sort of bleeding down." This is in Technicolor, by the way. I don't had any of the other films been really advertised in Technicolor before this. I
0: don't remember. I've... It seemed
1: like there was a big deal on the in the opening credits. I was like, "Make my music in Technicolor." <laughs> so I'm not sure if that was a difference, but I mean, the colors were pretty vibrant.
0: Exactly. Uh, although apparently the reception for this is. Similar. It's been mixed. Like they said... Just meh. It's pretty, but like they said the plot, having no plot was boring. And then the song itself is bland too, because it's about someone who's lost their love. It's, I mean, it's called Without You. Right. And it's a bland love song.
1: (laughs) Pining for the fjords.
0: Yeah. So it's like, mm.
1: Well... Uh, I there's really not a ton to say about this one to be yeah. honest. I get the impressionist angle, that's for sure.
0: The next one is Casey at Bat.
1: Mmm, this is the one I've seen. Yeah, this is the one I've seen. Yeah,
0: I've seen this one before too. Uh, and I like this one. Um, Th-
1: this might be my favorite, but I'm not sure.
0: I actually, I thought it, when I saw, it, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite, and then I saw another one. I'm like, nope, this one is. Uh, yeah, it, the it's a musical recitation of Jerry, by Jerry Colonna, but um. <laughs> It's not as musical as the others.
1: No, it's it, it, but it's a recitation to music.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's
1: a little bit of a stretch in terms of make mine recitations with music. That's. <laughs> uh,
0: so this is actually based off a poem uh, called Casey at Bat, a ballad of the Republic sung in the year 1888. Oh. And it's by Ernest Thayer. And he's not a poet, by the way. Or he wasn't a poet. He was actually a humor columnist in... Um, the San Francisco for the San Francisco Examiner and actually uh, did a lot of articles on sports. Mm-hmm. Um, now,
1: is this a uh, I? I wonder again, just positing because I'm not super brushed up on my history and I'm not a sports ball person. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I wonder if this is when baseball was really picking up as America's pastime. Oh time.
0: yeah, so. oh yeah, it was. Uh, trust me, uh, baseball. Was really popular in the 1880s, and then became even more so over time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that's why. I, and then I think. But when,
1: is that that's probably why Thayer picked up on it?
0: Yeah, but it I was, mean, look at what, Babe Ruth came in in the early 1900s. That's and then, true. Uh, Jackie Robinson later on. Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, what's interesting is I think in the in the context of the short, they say that it's 1902. Or something along those lines. Yeah. But this was written originally in
0: 1888.
1: hmm Interesting. Okay. No, that's fine. It matches. It fits up. Like, you see, it, it looks like it's at the, you know, turn of the century.
0: Although, uh, the funny part is uh, Casey bats for Mudville, mm-hmm. and they're going against Burbank.
1: You only see that once. Normally, it says visitor mm-hmm. on the thing, but then, yeah, uh, and there's a poster Mudville versus
0: Burbank. So uh, Burbank uh, is actually the location where Disney Studios is. So makes sense. But uh, <laughs> Mudville actually, um, it's it's obviously a fake location, but it is used in the poem. Mm-hmm. Um, Burbank wasn't that obviously.
1: Well, this is this is just a nice little nod to the studios there.
0: But um, Thayer actually lived in Sockton, California, and, uh, and he wrote for San Francisco Inquirer. So okay. obviously. But uh, Stockton had a nickname called Mudville, and I think, <laughs> yeah. So they think that's where he they.
1: Well, there you go. So it was Stockton versus Burbank in a.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Nor a... NorCal versus SoCal. Oh man. Um, but I mean, I love the animation. It's very silly. Uh, again, great body movements here. I had I, I enjoyed watching this one a lot more than The Martins and Coys, but that's because I felt like there was a lot you could do with this.
1: This one seemed, and, uh, yeah, there's a lot more to be done, and there's a lot more characters. Like, it's not just, here's your generic group of bearded men versus your different colored ge- <laughs> generic group of bearded men. Uh, color-coded. You got the reds and the blues, mm-hmm. uh, but here it's like you got all these weird little background characters, like that guy who keeps getting beat up by the rest of the staff yeah. because he's cheering for Burbank.
0: Exactly. Or uh, I love that. Um, uh, so the idea behind Casey at Bat is that um, Mudville is down, and then Casey comes out, and Casey's like the superstar baseball player, and they're like, "Oh no, he's gonna, oh he's gonna win it for us," and. Um, so, he bats three times, and the first two, he actually strikes out intentionally. And everybody's like, what? What's going on? And he's like, no, I got this. I got this.
1: It's not my style, he said. The narration of this one is so good.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, in the third, uh, when he bats for the third time, he actually misses. And But
1: not deliberately.
0: Not deliberately. He actually puts it all for the third one, and he misses. And it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the humor of it is so great. I know because it's. I, I love the fact, and this made me laugh even as a kid. Was you, you have everybody building up, waiting for that that to come in, and I love the reaction of the two basemen who are out on yeah, who are, who are on second and third, waiting waiting to run, mm-hmm. and they're just like bouncing back and forth, and they're both real characters too. Yeah. one of them's got that crazy mustache. Oh yeah, the other's got the like funny, the, like gap teeth kind of deal,
0: mm-hmm. and then you got the pitcher who's like shaking and.
1: I love the umpire.
0: Steve <gasps> right one. I, I love the fact the reactions when he, um, when Casey strikes out for the first time, yeah. there's some lady like kill him, kill the umpire. She goes, pulls a hat
1: pin out and starts to thrust it forward, but then it cuts away. I'm like, what is she doing with the hat pin? Did someone die off screen? <laughs> but, um, but it,
0: the humor in this is fantastic.
1: Uh, and it's fun because it's like it's not just the visual humor, but you've also got there's some great wordplay and fun stuff yeah. going on with the poem itself, mm-hmm. and it just all syncs together really well. And I love the bit I got like I was saying I love the bit how Casey swings the air, and then we cut to just like somewhere everybody's having a good time, and it's like this beautiful scene. And then it cuts back to Mudville and everything's miserable because you finally says, Casey struck out and he's there on the field blubbering and trying to hit the ball. He
0: keeps throwing the ball up, trying to hit it, and he keeps missing, and he's so disappointed in himself.
1: Plus the it's got a it's got a musical motif that you remember, you know? Like I I've been at Toontown at Disneyland and heard, you know, Da 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 I'm like, Oh there's Casey, there's Casey at the back. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, definitely a contender for one of my for my favorite short on here.
0: Yeah. When I first saw it, I'm like, okay, I think this is my favorite, but then again, uh, another one comes up, and I I was like, no, I like this more. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next one is The Two Silhouettes. Um, This is sung by Dinah Shore, and uh, basically, what happens is, it's a rotoscope of two ballet dancers, uh, and they're actually real ballet dancers. It's I'm going to butcher the names. <laughs> David L- Lecine or Lecini and Tanya... Oh, geez. Ria Bobachinskaya.
1: Bobachins- Ria Bobochinskaya.
0: Yeah. D- okay. But two real ballet dancers.
1: Russian ballet dancers, I assume? Yes, they are. Yes.
0: Uh, but, okay, before uh, before we get into, like... Because uh, yes, at this time, uh, Cold War is starting to happen, or it's starting to lead into the Cold War. But uh, these Russian ballet dancers actually migrated to America mm-hmm. uh, before even World War II, so they were not. Even though they were born in Russia, they weren't like they weren't like uh, oh Soviet.
1: There's a lot of there's actually a decent amount of love for Russia in this movie.
0: There, to be honest. I, there's actually historical.
1: Behind that. And, I, and I get, I uh, trust me, trust me. I get why, I get why. I mean, we're we're fresh off of World War Two,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: I mean, like relations are still mostly good, mm-hmm. I think. Anyway,
0: uh, uh, I, I have history, historical background with this, but I, I'll get into that when, when
1: we we get to the other one.
0: Yes, uh, to, it's pretty cherubs,
1: up. cherubs.
0: There's cherubs it's and there's pretty. silhouettes,
1: and it's pretty, and the rotoscoping's pretty good, and it's like you know, it's it. I mean, I know that, that it's been a technique that's been used in animation for quite a while. You see it a lot with um, some of the previous films we've done. But this is really unique in that they're still kind of experimenting. And that's what I appreciate about this one. They're still kind of experimenting with how they're blending animation styles. Mm-hmm. Like, you have the characters who are clearly, in, who are moving much more fluidly than animation would normally allow because you are, but they are, but they're all in silhouette. The colors will change on them. The solid colors will change on the silhouettes, but they'll move behind other things that are animated, like uh, fountains and starbursts and leaves blowing in the wind.
0: Again, I appreciate it for the experimentation going on with this. Um, Apparently, people either hate this or love this, and it's- it's, (laughs) There's no middle
1: ground on this one?
0: Not really. Critics. It's usually based on if the critic likes ballet dancing or not. And will actually can be ranked as either the best or the worst segment of this film.
1: Really? I see I don't I don't feel that way at all. I feel I feel like it's it's middle ground and for me and, and and actually I gotta ask you too, purely because we are looking at the animation, do you feel like this is a good piece of animation?
0: It is good. I think I mean it's good, but it's not great. I've seen the other animated pieces and that are much more beautiful and you could tell more effort was put in this feels like they're trying something new and testing it out and seeing how it works and i appreciate for the fact that one this will start to lead into other better animation in the future Mm -hmm. so in i mean i can see them using this for like Uh, Like Mary Poppins, for example. Yes. Or Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which I think utilizes that much better. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we just had a really impressive amount of um, animation experimentation before us in uh, Three Caballeros. Oh, yeah. With the whole Bahia segment. Mm Mm-hmm. So... It's kind of cool to see how... Like, doing this podcast is, is really cool because you just get to see how the medium keeps evolving. At oh, least, yeah. At least from Disney's perspective. Obviously, there were other animators at the time, and we're going to get to... I mean, obviously, if we keep doing this podcast indefinitely, we're going to get to other giants of animation.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I think what's great about this, like, starting with Disney now that I realize it, it begins, like, when movies started becoming popular. Mm-hmm. like. And you get to see how it's influenced by history throughout time. And then not only that, what's going on in animation. And then not only that, Disney was one of those first to take the risks in animation, Mm -hmm. if not the first. Mm -hmm. So you get to see what they could do, what what new mediums they tried, what worked for them, what didn't work for them. And I got to give props for early Disney for this. Cause the Dis- i mean, Disney Animation Studios actually was very experimental during this time. It was pretty
1: innovative. They were they were they were breaking new ground.
0: Oh yeah, they they were trying to test new um, things. They were like, okay, let's try this. Let's try and sync it to music. Let's see how that works.
1: So this also feels like kind of an experiment based, of, but also based on the fact that this is what they could do with what they had available at the time in order to keep their feature animation department from going under. Oh yeah. Uh, during this time. By the way, uh and I forgot it, uh, I keep forgetting like little bits of the cre- opening credits popping into my mind. There's a special credit for Ub Iworks.
0: Yes. That pops up early which on. Which is awesome. Which is
1: great to see. You know? So, shout out to Ub Iworks. All these people who I'm shouting out to are dead. So <laughs> <laughs> and pro- probably don't listen to this podcast. I'm sure there's some dead people who listen to this podcast. Maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. Uh but yeah, so that's that the the right. two silhouettes happens and it's it's okay i liked it i liked it all right
0: the next one actually is my favorite and that's peter and the wolf
1: ah peter and the wolf this is the other one i had seen outside of this
0: same same and because one i think first off it utilizes the music beautifully Mm -hmm. it's the animation is gorgeous yes the characters are really intriguing like i actually see each character differently despite them being being in a short
1: And not, never speaking. None of the characters talk.
0: Mm -mm. No. And also, usually with a narrator, it's like, okay, this is silly. But it's, so the narrator of this is Sterling Holloway. My man Sterling. Who, again, we've seen him before. He's, uh, we're going to look forward to seeing him in Winnie the Pooh. I,
1: I believe last time he was taking us to, um, he was taking us
0: on an adventure with Pablo the Penguin. Exactly. Um, and... He's. I don't know why. There's just something about his voice where it's just like, oh, you just want to hug him. He's got uh, an, He's got a
1: really unique voice, and I think. And I, I. I was. We were sitting there watching this, and I looked to Kayla and say, "Is he? Has he gotten better? or Is he just having more fun with this short?"
0: Yeah, it sounds like he's actually. I. I he, I'm not sure if he's putting his effort into it or what, but you could tell he's just enjoying talking and because he, he sounds so much more involved in this story
1: he's very energetic he, uh, he his delivery is good he has little chuckles and the sides he is very much a character in this and I I have mad respect for Sterling Holloway same. I think he's a great uh, I think he's a great voice actor same here um, um,
0: so uh, this is actually based off um, music composition uh, called Peter and the Wolf and this is by Sergei Prokofiev. Um, And actually, this is the only work by a Soviet citizen. Now, yes, this is a Russian story with Russian characters, and they are portrayed sympathetically. But at this time, like much of World War II, the U.S. and Soviet Union were allies. Right. And um, by 1946, the war had ended, of course, and then... They were actually still allies. It wasn't until 1947 that the Cold War went into full swing. Okay. So, at this point, Russia and America had good ties. Right.
1: So, this is why it's not, like, I mean, it's not like they haven't done, like, other, like, folktales before this anyway. Like, um, well, they haven't really done anything Russian before this, had they, in any other feature films? Um. Because Snow White is very much like a German fairy tale. That
0: is a German fairy tale.
1: Uh, Pinocchio is um, Italian. Yes. And then we got Bambi is like German again. <laughs> well, it could be anywhere. It could be in in like we. I think we had determined that. I I still think it's it's somewhere in in America. Yeah. I think it's somewhere, or at least in North America somewhere.
0: Yeah. Well, could be, be Canada. Well, the writer was German.
1: Right. The writer was German, but you see some you see some North American animals in Bambi. Correct. Um, but anyway, back back to Peter and the Wolf, though.
0: And okay, so this uh, Peter and the Wolf, uh, this musical story, um, is, uh, it was written in 1936, and there's a lot of theories for why he wrote this, and some think it's actually a political allegory, like uh, with Peter representing Russia and actually the wolf representing Nazi Germany, because ah. uh, Adolf actually uh, Adolf Hitler's, uh. <laughs> Or Adolf in Adolf Hitler means noble wolf.
1: Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but w- one of the reasons I love the musical portion for this piece is th- they actually use instruments to represent characters. My th- and I love that it's, so much.
1: Oh no, it's great! Everybody's got their own motif and their own instrument. It's mm. not just that, but everyone's got their own little theme. Uh, and they and and Sterling Holloway makes it very clear at the beginning that who's going to be represented by what. The one that always stuck with me was the bassoon for Grandpapa. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, because you can picture the finger wagging in time with the music, mm-hmm. you know? It's it's great.
0: <laughs> um, So uh, we got Peter, but then we also have animals that accompany him. Uh,
1: the Araquan bird, wait.
0: No, no. It looks
1: like the Ara, Sasha looks like the Araquan bird.
0: He does. Okay, so there's Sasha the bird, uh, <laughs> represented by a flute, and he kind of looks like the Araquan bird. However... Sasha's not annoying, and he—he's probably the Russian cousin of the Ar- Arquan bird, but he's—he's
1: he's just as energetic, but he's not. At, but he doesn't talk, so you don't hear his.
0: Or he, you he don't just,
1: hear any any. Oh, no, no, no!
0: no oh,
1: I, I spoke too soon. Jeez. Get out of here. Why? I'm sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to. You suck. Uh, okay.
0: So then we also have. <laughs> So we have the the duck, um, whose name is George the duck. George the duck. George
1: the duck. That's his name. Uh, uh, Okay, we got we got Sasha. Sasha's not the duck, right?
0: Sasha's the bird.
1: Sasha's the bird. The duck had an S name as well. I'm so sorry. We just watched this. Uh, keep in mind, we hadn't we haven't seen the whole Make My Music before this. And then Ivan. I remember Ivan the Cat.
0: Ivan the Cat. Ivan and, the Cat. And then...
1: Grandpapa, because he does not name anything but grandpapa. There's three hunters.
0: Sonia. Sonia. Sonia the Duck.
1: Sonia. Yes. And okay. then... That helps.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow,
1: Donald the Duck. Although, there's a little bit of Clarence Nash in here.
0: Oh, yeah. You actually hear uh, Clarence Nash's voice.
1: He's (laughs) he's doing the hissing and spinning for Ivan the Cat, but it's clearly just Donald Duck doing a cat impression. It's
0: fantastic. (laughs) Uh, The wolf in this is actually scary looking. Like, oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, because he's got those crazy eyes. Those crazy big and then, yellow eyes. And then they eyes. put it
0: really close, his face really close up to the screen, and you're like, oh, jeez. All
1: dripping jowls and, like, pff, pff, jaundiced eyes. It's pretty horrifying. See,
0: and that's why I love this. The animation, like, the fact that it's making me, fr- like, kind of, like, scared of a wolf, an animated wolf, that's quite astounding.
1: Yeah, there would be times where he'd close in on the screen and we're just like, whoa, 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 personal space. Mm-hmm. Personal space, please. Stay, stay back.
0: <laughs> but like the action is great, uh the the characters are memorable. um The it,
1: comedy's good. The
0: comedy is good. Mm. Like there is some good comedy. I I genuinely enjoy this one a lot.
1: Yeah, same. I mean, it, the part it, that made me laugh and we kind of went all oh, was when Sonia apparently dies. Yeah. And you see the vision of him walking
0: through the gates of heaven with a little halo what okay so there's three times that a character dies and you see them in heaven and it's just like jeez Disney what the heck
1: Disney was well you know we, we just came off of World War II <laughs> we wanna you know be be thinking about all them all them souls that went to heaven
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yep yeah, cause uh, as a kid that's what I'm going wa- to hell <laughs> as a kid that's what I wanna think about I don't know what much to say. It's just, I, it's just good. It is good.
1: It's good. It's this, I'm, I'm still torn. I think I'd like this about as much as I like, uh, Casey at the bat.
0: Yeah. Casey at the bat is really good. I think I like this more just cause everything feels so more intact. Yes. Where I mean, I love, I still love Casey at the bat, but.
1: Oh no, I totally don't. I don't doubt that. Um, so that's this is good. So uh, I think we're getting into the home stretch. What 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 what's left?
0: Well, we,
1: what what, 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 what we
0: whoa, well, whoa. <laughs> we haven't
1: gotten a sword in the stone yet. No. no. Uh,
0: After you've gone is the next one, and this is uh, Benny Goodman comes back again. It's short. It's basically just a bunch of um, uh, instruments that are. It's an abstract piece. It's,
1: it's an abstract piece, and each instrument kind of has its place in it. Mm-hmm. Like piano scapes and weird fingers with skirts running down a piano.
0: It, it's definitely surreal. It's, I, I like it for that reason. The music is astounding because yeah. it's Benny Goodman, and it's like, oh.
1: But it's, and it's not even the whole orchestra. It's just a Benny Goodman quartet.
0: Exactly. And not only that, um, they're doing After You've Gone, which I Genuinely like that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it does make me think of Bioshock Infinite but...
1: <laughs> um, It's great we, we were wondering what the basis was for this because you know a lot of it is synced up pretty nice with the, the music and I'm Why after you've gone it doesn't seem to have anything to do with that And I realized this is probably just like another Fantasia thing the animators were told here's here's Benny Benny and the gang are gonna do a song mm-hmm. animate it exactly that's what I I I assume is what happened but it's hard to say
0: it's a nice piece I like it
1: I like it too uh it's it's like again the the Fantasia abstract but with actually a little bit more of an emphasis on characters and it's a little more comical a little more comical that's for sure (laughs) yeah please don't mind the horrible um (laughs) uh snorting animal behind us Uh, that's our wolf
0: she goes by Gracie we named her after yo Gracie believe it or not
1: yep we're, we're we're nerds enough like that uh and then we, we close with no
0: no Johnny Fedora and Oh,
1: how could I forget about Johnny Fedora
0: and Alice Bluebonnet.
1: Those 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 sappy hats.
0: Uh so the song is sang by the Andrews Sisters which is <laughs> A nice little piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cute. It, it's about uh, two hats that fall in love, and then trying. Uh, Johnny Fedora's trying to get back to his love, Alice Blue Bonnet, after she's been bought.
1: This is like what the second or third short that's been set in the turn of that the turn of the century.
0: Yeah, it's again. It's kind of
1: cool. It's like it's I, cute. I, I, it's I'm cool. getting a great Main Street USA vibe from all of this.
0: Yeah, I, it's honestly. It's, I, I remember quite a bit because the, the story is interesting and mm-hmm. it's cute. I do like the Andrew sisters. I, I did want to say
1: earlier that despite how people feel about the two silhouettes, I thought Dinah Shore's singing is, is great in that too. Yeah. Dinah Shore is great.
0: I, I got to give props. The music in this is really good. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one thing I will say for every single one of these pieces. Oh, yes. The music is fantastic.
1: The music is phenomenal in this one. Uh, but yeah, this is a memorable one. The hats are characterized very well. Um, this one got dark in places. Yeah, it was kind of shocking. Oh yeah, like yeah. not—I mean, not as dark as I was expecting. But like, um, you know, Johnny, Johnny gets bought. Oh, Alice gets bought first by a lady for how much was it? Like twenty-three dollars? or Twenty-nine.
0: Something? Twenty-nine dollars in in like nineteen oh one, presumably. I'm like, what is this hat? That's so. Did expensive? you mortgage your house
1: to get this?
0: Seriously. <laughs> Um. And then Johnny Fedora gets bought, and he keeps searching for her, and then he finally sees her and just keeps trying to escape his owner's head, and then Nev actually uses the wind to fly, try to fly to her. But basically, Johnny Fedora keeps wandering and gets into a lot of bad things. Places like he gets picked up by a bum, and then accidentally goes into a bar where there's a shootout.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because the the bum, like I guess the bum, he might be part of a mob or something. Because someone straight up hits the hits him and Johnny on the head with a blackjack. Yeah, and then the bum pulls out a gun and tries to shoot him, and suddenly the whole place is chaos. I actually really like the perspective of how you never see the people's faces. No, you never. And when you see a crowd moving, you don't see their heads. You just see uh, legions of hats. Mm-hmm. moving along in the on the bottom of the screen.
0: I like that too. That was very neat. Um it actually kind of reminds me of that Umbrella Short the uh, from Pixar.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, later down the line. And I you know, it's I kind of wonder if they got influence from that.
1: I it wouldn't surprise me. Like the the whole idea of inanimate objects being full of character like mm-hmm. this. This was this was cute. I, I found this one genuinely charming.
0: Same. I like that, well, they eventually do get back together, but uh, how, so Johnny Fedora is found by, I guess, uh, an ice, sh- uh, a ice, uh.
1: An ice delivery cart. That's a... a refrigeration guy. Exactly. A person who drives ice.
0: Exactly and he, he gets holes <laughs> cut into him so he can be put on the horse's head and then it turns- was that a thing
1: because it seemed like a very strange thing just be like i'm um, uh, uh, you know how am i going to sell more ice if i have horses that wear hats maybe people will buy more ice from me
0: make it cute sure and then it turns out that the um alice blue bonnet is uh, also on the other horse's hat next to him so they get to be together and, and
1: the moral of the story is don't let your dreams be memes exactly let you believe that you will be back with your love again and it'll happen
0: so then we get to the last one and this is the whale who wanted to sing at the met
1: a tragedy
0: a tra- it really is a tragedy this it's, it's,
1: is, it's like an opera it's great
0: yeah this is probably the best in terms of musicality like oh my gosh
1: well if you're really into opera
0: no for no, sure. no not even that okay so...
1: I'm, <laughs> okay, let, I'm let me, willing to listen. Okay. Let's go.
0: El, uh, Nelson Eddy sings throughout this. Mm-hmm. But not just sings. He sings for everything. And when I mean everything, this includes, like, the bass. There's a point where a um, there is an operatic singer, a female operatic singer, who sings for soprano. That's him. And then there's, like, choruses... Also, sing by Nelson Eddy, and he's doing every single like type of um, he's of uh like every single range of of opera. Yeah, like he like he does he, sing- bar- he does tenor, he does baritone, he does bass. He would do a course with like his voice, like over his voice, over his voice, and this was done actually by his home recording machine, and was able to like record himself mm-hmm. singing multiple times. And it's just like throughout, I'm just like. Oh my gosh.
1: It really is a feat. Like, it is. It's really impressive.
0: Like wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nelson Eddie.
0: That that's what I was most impressed by by this one mm-hmm. was just the fact that I'm like this guy, this one guy is singing every thing from soprano to bass. Mhm. What in the world? Um the animation's good, too.
1: <laughs> oh, the animation's great.
0: So uh, the storyline behind this is um, people have discovered that a whale has been singing opera. And <laughs> they're just like, how is this possible? What's going on? How can this be? So um, there, uh, there's an... Opera, I guess, director or I, I don't know. He's the Imperioso. He's the Imperioso. Uh, teddy? Or t- tattie?
1: teddy Teddy? Taddy?
0: Teddy, Teddy, Taddy. Teddy, Teddy. And his theory is that there's an opera singer. Stu- I probably
1: totally butchered the title. <laughs> so now while you talk about that, I'm going to make sure I didn't screw that up. <laughs> uh,
0: there's uh, his theory is that there's an opera singer who's actually stuck in the whale And the opera singer is singing from inside the whale's uh, belly.
1: Do you think he watched Pinocchio and that's how he got the idea?
0: Yep. Well, (laughs) uh, apparently he saw a picture of Jonah and the whale. Oh. Because he remember he's looking through a book and he's like, that must be it. We must save that opera singer. So uh, he gets a group of men and is going, uh, goes on a boat and tries to search for the whale. But it turns out, no, the whale can actually sing. His name is Willie the Whale, and his dream is to sing at the Met. <laughs> and he, but he, uh, he really is a talented opera singer. And uh, when he hears that this... Uh...
1: Impresario.
0: Impresario. Impresario. Impresario, not
1: imperioso. I am an uncultured swine. Um, we have
0: been forgetting a lot of <laughs> names lately. There, there, there's too many segments, though. so it's That's like,
1: that's part of it. And also, unlike a lot of the other movies we've covered, we're not, like, intimately familiar. We didn't grow up with this one. No. This is our first time seeing it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the first
1: time seeing some of these shorts at all.
0: So it's like, and even then, like, I haven't seen Casey at Bat or um, Peter and the Wolf since I was a little kid. Uh-huh. Like, I probably watched it when I was, like, six seven
1: <laughs> yeah uh, i imagine i was about that
0: because i know I, I i remember where i saw it it was um uh i watched it on the Ramblin' rod show when uh because it which was a uh which was in it was a portland oregon uh um cable or c- cable access show
1: the inspiration for Krusty the clown if yeah I recall. yeah
0: the, his show was the inspiration for crusty the clown show Um, Because Matt Granning and I grew up in the same area. Um, (laughs) Not together. He's much older than I am, but same area. Um, And uh, the Ramblin' Odd show would show a bunch of cartoons. And this would include, like, the Disney Shores. And I remember seeing Peter and the Wolf for sure on that. And I think I remember seeing Casey at Bat, too.
1: Oh, probably.
0: So, (laughs) So, um... And Make
1: Mine Music is an animation goldmine for short.
0: <laughs> so I just, I stopped, uh, but like I stopped watching it when I was like nine when I moved to California. So yeah, it's been really long since I last saw these. So the the, I, I, the only, only reason I'm able to like, like uh, recall some of these is that I actually took notes.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. So,
0: but yeah, geez.
1: Well, so... This is a weird. I mean, here's the thing. This is like a delightful short. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But the premise is so bizarre. Like so, from the title, the whale who wanted to sing at the Met. Who came up with this? How did this idea come about? This is like such a such a like out of left field idea.
0: So so but but okay. So Willie the whale hears. Oh, this guy wants to hear me sing. And his friend
1: Whitey the seagull flies up and shows him a newspaper.
0: Yeah, and so he goes to him and sings for him, and. <laughs> It's funny because uh, the um, uh, Teddy Taddy is like, "No, we gotta kill it to get the opera singer out." Where the sailors are like, "No."
1: There, there's three triplet sailors who look exactly the same,
0: and they're just like, "No, we gotta hear him." And he starts by singing Figaro, and then uh, there's imagery of him singing at the Met, and there's like, like, um,
1: you find out he has three uvula, has which three... is why he can sing. In uh, three different tenors.
0: Exactly. So, and at
1: the same time.
0: Exactly. So he can sing uh, tenor, baritone, and bass. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like he has three voices coming out of his. Three band. different
1: timbers, I should say. Yeah. Yes, and it's really a f- weird, funny gimmick mm-hmm. for this whole thing. And then yeah, the sorry, I cut. I didn't want to cut. No, you no,
0: off. no. Keep going. You can.
1: But then we get to the to the parts where he's imagining life as he moves on and goes to become an opera sensation and it's great
0: as he he should have been oh my gosh he should like if a whale can sing like that like go put, like put him on stage let him live his dreams there's a funny oh. gag
1: where he does his opening performance and uh and you see everybody who's ever supported, like sort of in people who supported him there, including sea lions, seagulls. The seagulls are all flying and clapping, and then the camera pans down, and everyone and the audience is clapping, but they all have newspapers on their heads because <laughs> they're sitting directly under the seagull. I so like, like that. That's a pretty good gag.
0: Standing room only. Uh, Teddy
1: Teddy Taddy is doing the conducting for it.
0: Um, I, what, what's funny too is like the of course because he's like a sperm whale. He's huge and is, like, standing above the stage. And I'm just imagining, like, these um, individuals uh, even sitting in the box office and be like, oh, my God, this is frightening. But he's so good. He's so
1: good. When he takes his bow, he, like, leans over the entire audience. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and then, like, he plays Pagliacci. Yes. He uh, he plays uh, Tristan and Tristan and Assault.
0: And then Metastopheles. He plays
1: Mephistopheles and rises. oh, oh. Because he Rose is the devil. There's that bit at the very, very beginning when there's just a bunch of it's just uh, Nelson, uh, Nelson, Eddie uh, going, oh, and there's like all this random imagery going by. One of the ghosts from Flan- Fantasia <gasps> flies by, yes, like the the one that looks like a wraith on a broomstick comes <laughs> flying by, and I'm like, it,
0: it, what? It, you, you, what? Yeah, you pointed that out to me. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Why well, was
1: K- shout out to the ghost from Fantasia. There's a dead person I can shout out to. There you go. There's a dead.
0: <laughs> shout out to the demon from Fantasia.
1: That ghost was totally just like, "Hey, this is uh, this is sort of a pseudo successor at this time to Fantasia. Same kind of <laughs> pseudo, same kind of spirit." Hey, speaking of spirit, yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: that's um, so
1: terrible.
0: Because it's a tragedy. Like
1: all operas.
0: Teddy-taddy hits him with a harpoon. Poor Willie dies, but he- It's
1: very dramatic when he dies, too. The sea churns up, the sky turns, red lightning flashes as you see him, the whale jumping in the distance through the waves with the harpoon- Stuck in him. Stuck in him.
0: And then um, they said, do not be sad, for he is now singing in heaven, and it shows him in heaven, like, singing- and i I love the fact it like pans out and then you see like the gates of heaven but then it says sold out (laughs) on the gates of heaven
1: because he's no longer tied to a giant fleshy whale sack of you know meat cartilage and bone uh he can now sing with 100 voices apparently yeah so his voice resonates in whale heaven and it's sold out at the pearly gates and then the movie just ends
0: Oh. It's a,
1: it's fantastic. I really like make my music, actually. It
0: is really good. I I what I I think what I like about it is that this is really a, a variety of segments. Like it doesn't feel it, it's not So it definitely it's not like coherent like Fantasia is where it's like there mm-hmm. actually feels like there's a theme and it's like there's it, there's like so much effort put into this. This feels like let's try a bunch of different things and see what sticks, and it works here.
1: Yeah, it does. It's 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 a good variety. The um, as an anthology, I think it works because each short is different from the last. Some of them are somber. Some of them are beautiful. Some of them are funny. Some of them um, are boring.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but uh, but I, I think what works with it is the, what makes it connect is that it's all connected by music, but instead of uh, classical, it's pop music. Or, a lot,
1: or yeah, a lot or, of it, 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 I think generally speaking, the majority of it is more popular music. Yeah. I think except for maybe Peter and the Wolf, which is a little more traditional, that like, is,
0: That's actually play. classical.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, um, but it's, it's interesting because, yeah, it's a whole variety of styles too. And, and, um, I think it was pretty fresh. Like, um, when we get to Fantasia 2000, which is going to be a ways down the line. Yeah, it will be. I almost feel like, in a lot of ways, maybe I'll have to refresh my memory, but I almost am going to be looking at it going, how much is this more of a successor to Fantasia, but how much is it also taking from Make My Music? Because of just how different stylistically it is in a lot of its own shorts. hmm So, um, um, but yeah, I'm glad we got to watch this one, and I'm glad to say that we're now halfway through the package films.
0: Woohoo! hoo uh,
1: We'll have... Um, Once again, just as a friendly reminder, uh, next month we will be covering uh, Fun and Fancy Free.
0: But we're also, we also got a Disney Plus.
1: Right. Uh, We got to talk about Song of the South.
0: Oh no, oh boy.
1: Oh boy. It's okay though. We have, we have some help with this one.
0: Yeah, we have. We're going
1: to have some help with this one.
0: Um, but... David's never seen it. I have.
1: I've seen the segments that are actually animated, like the stuff with Br'er Fox, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear.
0: Oh, boy. I'm
1: gonna knock his head clean off.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) This is gonna be one heck of a ride.
1: Hey, Kayla, in the meantime, though, uh, do we have any recommendations besides this movie or any sort of plugs?
0: Uh i would suggest to if you're a horror fan um hey there you're there out there there could be <laughs> disney fans who like horror literature
1: if you like the haunted mansion you probably are a disney <laughs> fan who appreciates horror
0: uh go check out darkly lit on uh, creative um we read uh different forms of horror literature monthly and uh we uh discuss it in detail, and the next one comes out February 13th, and we'll be reading um, uh, Junji Ito's Uzumaki. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: It's the first time we're doing a graphic novel. That'll be fun. Um, And obviously, if you know me, you know I do a couple other podcasts. Uh, I'm I'm also involved with Darkly Lit. I'm one of the regulars of Darkly Lit. But I also do Midnight Marinara and Undercooked Analysis. Uh, Midnight Marinara's season is in full swing, and uh, it's going good. A new episode will be dropping at the end of this month uh undercooked analysis is twice a week that's also worth checking out all of these are housed on the benview network so well not darkly lit but uh, darkly- the two i do are housed on the benview network so
0: darkly lit is a part of crea- creative cre-
1: creative horror.com <laughs> um anyway uh If you liked what you heard here and this is your uh, first time jumping into the podcast, welcome. Thank you. If you've been listening to us from the beginning, uh, we can't thank you enough. And uh, I would just ask that maybe you, uh, you know, give us a little rating and review when you get a chance. It really helps bolster things. Honestly, this is a podcast Kayla and I do because we really enjoy doing this together and talking about animation with friends. But... Uh, knowing that you're also engaged is also kind of you know nice. people people like we, us we like validation. You know <laughs> so uh, it, it would be a nice thing to do also if you want to follow us on uh, any any anywhere else.
0: Uh, well, we have uh, anime we actually do have a Twitter for this uh, podcast at AnimusingsPod. pod mm-hmm. So follow us there, especially for any updates.
1: We do keep an eye on that. That's probably the most consistent piece of outsides. Uh, media that we keep an eye on that we do also have an email.
0: Yes, uh, at Animusings or Animusings Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Also, um, if you'd like to follow us on our normal Twitters, I guess uh, I'm at Canary Robot.
1: And I'm at Scary Sauce.
0: Uh, I will randomly post stuff about personal life or uh, if I enjoy certain things I will retweet them and say well, follow this it's good or how cute our dog is yes I do post a lot of pictures of our dog
1: <laughs> well anyway uh, thank you for joining us once again and until next time um I'm so terrible at the outros for these
0: um uh, in your imagination <laughs> da
1: da 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 da, da.